you're ready to stop submitting basic applications and winging your interview for your next nursing role, whether you're a graduate nurse or a seasoned healthcare professional, we'd love to exclusively invite you to our secret nurse growth hub, where you can get all of the support to apply, interview and land your next nursing role completely free. All of the resources that we've shared and created over the last three years that have helped 3,000 plus nurses internationally apply, interview and land their next nursing role. So what are you waiting for? Come and join us today. It's completely free. LiamCaswell.com forward slash NGH. Come and join the Nurse Growth Hub today and let's make applying, interviewing and landing your next nursing role easy. listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the High Performance Nursing Podcast. I hope you're all well. I did a little poll recently on the Facebooks. And you guys gave me some awesome ideas for things that I could cover. Because, you know, like, we're, like, 130 episodes in. I'm like, what the hell? People still listen? What are you people doing? I'm so, so grateful. And it's so good to see so many people listening and downloading across the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But I had some really awesome ideas that people generated for us. So today I'm going to do a nice little, like, short and sweet, quick and snappy, Liam says episode on how I would navigate landing myself a nice little promotion, going from RN into a CN, team leader, RN level two type of position. Now, look, if you're already ahead of this position in terms of you built your career and you're further ahead in your career than that, there are still lessons to be learned from this, my friend. So I encourage you to stick around. But in a nutshell, many of you ask me, how can I progress? How can I move forward? And really, let's simplify the heck out of this so that you have everything you need to succeed in your career moving forward. Now, some of you might be thinking, hell to the no, I ain't doing that. (laughs) I ain't moving up the chain. And that's totally fine. We got you covered. But if there's something specific you want me to cover and explore for you, you're going to come tell me. I can't speak. You're going to come tell me so that I can create it for you. So you're moving from RN to clinical nurse, clinical nurse consultant, clinical nurse specialist, maybe a team leader role, an RN level two in Canberra. It's called different things across the country, CNS, CN, whatever you want to call it. Now, many of you will have the first challenge, which is I don't have enough experience. I'm not experienced enough yet. And I actually coached an amazing human on this today. And we were talking about like, but when will you be experienced? When will it be enough? When will you have enough experience, my friend? And the answer was never, (laughs) because if you're anything like us, our brains are like high performers, we are driven, we're always wanting to achieve, we're always wanting to grow and develop, so it will never feel like it's enough. So you're never going to get to that date. It just doesn't happen, trust me. I waited so long to make that move, and it didn't happen. I just had to take the step. So first things first, you have enough experience, and I'm going to argue with you here, because some of you are going to say, but I'm only six months to 12 months out. And for some of you, it might not be the right move. 
but for others, it will absolutely be the right move. I've told this story before on the podcast. We have worked with lots of people that have moved from being a grad, just finishing their grad program into a CN position. Some people don't like that idea, but honestly, if you are driven and motivated and you want to make that happen, I don't see why you should stop yourself, why you should career block yourself. It's going to say a naughty thing there. <laughs> career block yourself from achieving your future goals. Okay, so the first thing is overcoming your own brain's BS and telling yourself that you have everything you need. And now I coach this beautiful human today on collecting evidence. Go out and find evidence. Show your brain why you could totally do this. Find other CMs. Team leaders are in level twos that have up-leveled within a couple of months or within a year of being in their career. It's totally possible. Just hear me say that. It's totally possible. But for some of you, you'll need to go out and get some experience and you'll need to go and collect evidence is what I mean and see that it's possible for yourself. It won't be enough for me to tell you. So step one is navigating your own brain's bullshit and reminding yourself you're totally capable of doing this and that that day where you have enough is never coming. Okay, it's never coming. You're just delaying the inevitable. Okay, so first things first. Now, number two is obviously it doesn't really matter. I have a bit of a unique view. I don't really think you need to care so much about getting an RN2 in a specialty or getting a CN in a specific area that you love. If you were like me and you're just building your career and you want to gather all the experiences so you can be an all-rounder and you know build your career up to a higher level, then I think take what you can get for sure. Also aligning it to your personal desires and wants, right? And things that you're interested in. I don't mean go and take a community RN2 if you really detest community. But if you're open to it and it's a great opportunity and you want to apply for it, allow yourself to apply. We've got to stop this nursing industry myth that is like, if you don't work in the specialty, you can't get a specialty role in there. You can't get a senior role in it. It's rubbish. I've told you guys how many times I've pivoted and moved in my career and I've been able to do it. So if I can do it, you can do it. I went from being an ICU nurse into advanced life support training. Now there's there's definitely congruence with that path there, but then I went from there to acute medicine, right? Not many people do that and go back from ICU is what I mean in terms of stepping out of the specialty, but you get to decide what you do with your career. So allow yourself to do that. I then went from there into public health, primary health care, looking after kids and with snotty noses in primary health, which I detest. <laughs> I love children, but I got sick every week. So use my experience, use my story to help you see that you could build your pathway in whatever way, shape or form that might be. And then when it became a nurse unit manager of a geriatric rehab board, I didn't take that job for the specialty, I took it for the learning opportunity. I took it for the growth. And I'm so glad that I did. I will never regret taking that job. So I want you to think about how could you be more flexible in what you believe is possible for you in your career, especially as you make this transition from RN up to RN2 or CN or CNS, okay? And then from there, I want you to think about the four key pillars of becoming a CN, an RN, an RN2, a CNS. And they are education, quality and safety, leadership and management, and research, right? I put research as like the last one that I'm like, man, research. <laughs> now, if you love research, go and do it. But it's not ultimately like a major requirement. Now, if you're looking at these jobs and you're reviewing them and you're reviewing the job descriptions, many of them will articulate that this is exactly what you need. But from my experience, hiring people into senior level positions, i.e. CNS, RN, 
Orin 2, I'm going to keep saying them, and keep butchering them at the same time. Those positions really need someone that has got a, a, a solid foundation of their clinical skills, knowledge and experience, right? In whatever area you're working in or in nursing in general, let's just say nursing experience. And then from there, we want to layer on top of that education, quality, leadership, management and research. Technically five, but I'm, I'm marrying leadership and management together. Okay, so I want you to think about number one. Where are you already educating people? Where are you taking people under your wing? Whether you're a grad or a recent grad, I don't care. Where can you show the panel that you are actively educating people? Where can you build a bit of an education portfolio for yourself within your role without overworking yourself and burning yourself out? Can you factor it in? Can you do some ad hoc education sessions whereby you just do a stand and present type thing at the quality board? Or can you organize some formal training sessions around a topic that you're really passionate about? And we'll talk about how we can link that into quality and safety in a minute. But you don't have to get overly creative. You don't have to put on a full performance. You don't have to get up there and present to the masses. You could just be doing one-on-one -on -one training. You could be doing one-on-one -on -one educational sessions with people as you build your educational portfolio. Because all that matters here is the development of the skill and then it's your ability to show the panel that you have been doing this. And you can say to them, I've educated 20 people over the last year. Now, one of the reasons why people don't get these promotions is because they leave it to the last minute and they start these four things that I've just talked about the day before. And they have no tangible experience. Or maybe they've been doing it, but they can't see that they've been doing it, right? Sometimes we struggle to see what we've actually achieved and we need other people to point it out. That's why I love coaching so much. So I want you to think about that ahead of time. If you're somebody that's working towards building your career to that level, start today. Start thinking about how you can educate one more person each week, an AIN, and document it for yourself. Collect the evidence. If you're doing formal training sessions, collect the sign-in sheets. Don't just hand them to the educator. Take a copy yourself, not for the details or their names or whatever else, but so you can you can collect that. And at the end of it, and you go to your interview and say, this year I educated 40 people on hand hygiene across the unit, including the multidisciplinary team. That's so impressive to a panel. And they can see that you didn't just start yesterday, right? They see through that and some of you will be giggling because you've done it before. And maybe that's why you didn't get the job. Okay, so let's get you prepped and start ahead of time. So that's education. Now you can partner with your educator, partner with your CDN, your clinical nurse educator, your NUM, wherever you are working, whether it's community or in a public hospital or private, this is totally possible. And there's so many ways to make it happen. You just have to let people know that this is what you're interested in and then make it happen. Now, the next stage is quality and safety. I want you to think about where in your ward you could support your NAM a little more. Now, some of you are gonna be like, I don't wanna support them. <laughs> if you're gonna be an aura level two or a senior, you're gonna be supporting them, okay? That's just the natural next step. As you move up your career, you become kind of part of the senior leadership team. And whether you get on with them or not, there, there needs to be some level of cohesion there, right? In order for the broader team to work cohesively. So it's something to bear in mind that as you move up your career, through your career, you're going to get to a point where you're going to start kind of like offloading things from your nurse unit manager or your educator without really kind of knowing it. Okay, I'm not saying take on the workload. I'm just saying find one thing that you think the ward could be doing better 
and become the champion in that area. Be the person that drives change in that area. Especially if you want to build your career to CNC, to NUM, to ANUM, to ADON and move up through the chains, okay? Educator, all of this is hugely valuable. And there's a future version of you that will thank me for this episode. And you'll say, oh my God, I'm so glad I did all of those things because it will be so worthwhile, okay? I never regret any of the things that I did, even though sometimes I was running around like a headless chook. So with quality and safety, find a problem area, find an issue. Ideally, it should link beautifully into the national standards for safety and quality in healthcare, and it should have some kind of preventative approach whereby you are preventing further deterioration of something within the patient's hospital experience. And it doesn't have to be big, right? I think sometimes we get quality, like we make it huge. We're like, I don't wanna do a big quality improvement project. I don't wanna do all of this. I don't want, there's too much work, it's data, and I'm not good with data. And I just want you to keep it super simple. Quality in a nutshell is literally finding a problem, finding some evidence-based solutions, educating people about it, testing and trying where safely able to do so within your scope, and then implementing a new approach that's been endorsed by everybody, okay? That is it. So all you really have to do is like look around you. Hand hygiene is a really good one. If your area has 99.9% .9 compliance with hand hygiene, you're fudging the results. <laughs> people are lying to you. I used to... I shouldn't say this. One of my peers, I'm pretty sure used to fudge. Many of my peers as the CC fudged the results. And I was truthful and honest and it was to my detriment. I used to get told off all the time because I'd be honest and say, well, my hand hygiene results are 75% this month. And we've been, you know, look, here's all the things that we've been doing. We've got signs everywhere. I'm like literally watching people wash their hands. They still ain't washing them. Whereas my peers were like, oh no, our ward's perfect. It's 99.9%. .9%. And I'm like, rubbish. That is impossible. So my friend, that could be one that you could choose. Hand hygiene, falls mitigation, wound assessment, planning, all of the things that we typically miss, like those assessment care plans. Oh my God. Nutrition charts, you know, water low risk assessments, air mattress management, like, you know, reducing costs through linen overspend. It sounds tediously boring, but trust me, you can save the hospital money and you can show them that you're doing so through any way, shape or form. You are like on the ticket to a higher position. It's strategy, my friends. Okay. So find an area where you want to improve the quality and safety of care that you can see a positive return for both the patients and the staff. Okay. And the organization more broadly. And then ask your nurse unit manager if you can lead the project, become the champion, gather a couple of people to work with you and run it. Gather some information, look at the risk man data, look at, like, do the audits, collect the information, create an education plan, look at the evidence and implement something new. And then you can formalize it later. You can formalize it through a proper QIP pathway later, but just gather the stuff and just see how you go and start it and see it as a, like a longer term project. It's not something you're going to do on a weekend or a night shift or a couple of shifts. It's like a slow burn. But that slow burn will give you so much as you move forward, okay? Now, I can't even remember, like, here's one, for example. When I was working as a clinical nurse educator, and this is how I would talk about it in the interview, when I was working as a clinical nurse educator, I came into a position where there was no education running. Literally no education was scheduled or planned or running. We had huge deficit in the team's competencies, and there was no daily education. There was no support for the staff. So what did I do? I gathered information, this is quality improvement, I gathered lots of information about what people wanted, what the gaps were, where the mandatory training was, and I looked at the National Safety Quality Healthcare Standards. 
and the incident report forms. And I pulled it all together. And then I worked with the CNCs and the nurse managers just to make sure I had them on board. And I created an educational package, educational schedule for each quarter based on all of the information that the staff told me, incident report form told me, the national standards required and the gaps and the competencies. And I then integrated it into our training schedule. Okay, so we went from having zero episodes of attendance to a year later having like over 2000 episodes of attendance over that year. So we gathered the data, it was painful, but we created a simple spreadsheet. Every day we added up how many people attended and through the whole year we had 2000 episodes of attendance. So when imagine going to an interview and having that kind of information at any level of your career and being able to show them with confidence. This is why people aren't confident because you don't have the data. When you have the data, they can't argue with you, okay? And sure, I could have fudged that data, but like we, I, the people knew internally because we had lots of people come to education every day. We went from zero to like 30 people attending across five wards. It was insane. So when you can show them that through the data and then you can link it in. So from that quality and safety space, that was a quality and safety improvement project, but I can link that in beautifully to clinical governance and how it helped strengthen the hospital's compliance with policy and procedure. I can link it into partnering with consumers and I can show them how in partnering with the staff, I was able to deepen the hospital experience for the patients and their families. And I was able to remove the fear from the patients and the families where they didn't believe they were getting the right care because we upskilled the staff. Right, I can tie it into standard three infection control and I can show them the compliance before our 2000 episodes and the compliance after with the mandatory training and all of the things. You get the gist, right? Medication safety. We used to have 10 medication errors every month and then now we've got one error per month. Okay, like look at the change in the data. So at your level, at the RN to RN2 level, or if you're wanting to move up, this is applicable to every level, you can transfer this information and it is so powerful. I think this is seriously what sets our people apart when they come to us and they prep for interview and get their applications done. Because when you build your career, you can't give them fluff. You have to give them the real truth, the data. They want to see the growth. They want to see the clinical expertise, but they want to see what you've done above and beyond that. Okay. So if you're somebody that's resisting doing anything, quote unquote, extra, even though it's part of your job, extra as an RN, this episode's probably not for you because you have to put the work in. Okay. So that's quality and safety. Think about where you can improve quality and safety in your area, create a little micro QIP and run with it. Test it, try it. You might have to try a couple of different things, but even just doing that in trying, setting yourself up for success will be hugely valuable when you come to your applications and you will stand out amongst the other candidates because I guarantee you everybody else starts the day before. <laughs> so don't be that person and you'll get ahead. Now, the last thing, third thing, leadership management. So think about opportunities where you can lead and manage. Now, a lot of people resist this again, and I, I hear you, I understand. Like, I, I wish I could change it, but we can't. So we have to do what we can do in the system as it currently exists. A lot of people resist taking on more leadership and management uh, responsibilities because they don't get paid extra. I hear you, like, I totally understand. But if you're somebody that wants to grow your career, you're gonna come against that at every level. But trust me, I've never worked more overtime and unpaid overtime, may I add, completely unpaid, than when I was the nurse unit manager. I worked ridiculous hours. Like, your num is working ridiculous hours, and if they're not, they're underperforming. And I'm not saying that in a shitty way. Like, 
we shouldn't be overworking, but we are because we have to, okay? Because there's not enough hours in the day. And that's a sweeping generalization. And if you are a nun that's listening to this and you are like nailing your work and everything's up to date, I want to hear from you because I want to celebrate you because it's amazing. And I want to like take what you've done and like help other people because I, I couldn't work it out. It was, it was super hard. So leadership and management. I want you to find opportunities to lead and manage within your day. Now, some of you won't be a team leader yet. Some of you won't even have exposure to team leading. But don't think that because you haven't been a team leader means you can't become an RN2. And I want to make a separation between team leading and RN2. This is my biggest gripe. A team leader is somebody that leads the team for the day. An RN2 is a senior nurse who has a leadership, management, education, quality and safety, research portfolio. They're two separate things. The RN2 team leads on occasion, maybe all the time, who knows? but they're not a team leader. So if you think that becoming an RN2 is just becoming a glorified team leader, you've got your thinking wrong. It's not right, okay? That's not what it is. We're moving from RN clinical focused on the floor to RN clinical focused with additional responsibilities in all of those four domains, yeah? So when we think about leadership management, find opportunities to lead and manage. If you are a nurse and you're not team leading, ask if you can manage your side of the ward on a night shift or on a weekend, maybe time where it's less busy and less chaotic, right? Maybe you work a night shift and you wanna like manage the two bays. Talk to your team leader. Tell them you want to become an RN2. Tell them you wanna become a CN, a CNS. Ask them for extra responsibilities to look after these areas. Not to kiss ass or to suck up or anything like that. You're doing it for evidence when you go to your, your application, your interview to say, hey, look at what I've done, right? So find those opportunities. Now, if you're already doing them, amazing. Really optimize, show your manager what you're capable of. Find the gaps in your, be self-aware, find the gaps in your own leadership and management and find opportunities to upskill in them, whether that's internally through mandatory training, whether that's through shadowing your manager for, I don't know, a performance discussion. Show them that you are interested. I don't know, like nearly most of my senior jobs that I got all came through me just networking, literally. came through me just saying, hey, by the way, if, if, if it ever comes up, I'm totally open to being considered for nursery manager. And then wham, bam, it happened, okay? And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> right? But I also had the foundations where I'd been building the skill set and showing my nursery manager and my aid on that I was capable. I could do this. Let me prove to you I can do it. You've seen my work. Make this easy for them to decide. Like, even if they're, most places do have to put it out to job, like to the job market, but how good if you're already set up and internally they're like, hey, they come and tap you on the shoulder. One of the biggest challenges in nursing is we're not succession planning. We are not succession planning enough. So therefore, no one wants to do the, the senior jobs because no one's making them look attractive. That is a huge, another discussion that we need to have. But you maybe you can be the person. If you're driven, motivated, you're a high performer, don't do it to your detriment. Do it for your empowerment. Do it to your success and see the growth in the opportunity. I literally should be called Liam Opportune Caswell because I am opportunistic. I love that about myself. I used to hate it. I used to think it was a bit sleazy and a bit like, oh, but now I just ask for what I want. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen and I pivot and change. So I want you to steal some of that opportunisticness not a real word, but steal some of that for yourself so that you can go out there and create a role, a senior nursing role on your terms and show them that you're ready to rock and roll. 
And then finally, research, okay? Research is like, you know, who has time to do research? I hear you, you're like, Liam, what planet are you living on? <laughs> I get it. By research, I, I think that research is one you should just be conscious of and think about, maybe not dive deep into right now, unless it's a core requirement. Most places don't have it as a core requirement. But just being aware of it, understanding the evidence-based literature, maybe trying to bring in some of the evidence-based through your quality, your education, your leadership, and using evidence-based language, how you describe your leadership style, for example, and showing them that you understand leadership theory, or maybe change theory, or performance management theory, I don't know, but you could bring some aspects of research into it. I've never done any research outside of a nursing qualification. I've never done any internal research in, in the system. As some people do, and that's amazing. Run with that, bring that, that's gonna give you an extra brownie point. But if you haven't done it, you don't need to go out and start doing research. Or you definitely, what you definitely don't need to do is go out and get a master's and get the research module so you can apply for the CN role, unless it's clearly defined that that's what they want. But it's super rare, okay? If you look at most jobs, they're like, do you breathe? <laughs> I joke, but it's legit. Like, are you breathing? You got a pulse? You ready to rock and roll? Let's do this. That's my interpretation of it, because I think we should have higher standards, but we don't, okay? And I understand why we don't. So those are the four main things I want you to think about in moving and transitioning from RN to CN, RN to CNS, RN to RN level two, if you're in Canberra, or where, whatever they're called in your state or territory, the same rules apply. Same rules, rules apply for the midwives that are listening, RM to RN, okay? Like RM2 or, or CNM. I get so confused with the nums and the mums and all of the things. So this episode has been all about helping you transition and up-level your career. If you are a nurse who is looking to apply for a position in the future where you're up-leveling, getting some extra cash, thank you very much. Extra responsibility comes with that cash, I'm sorry to say. But use this approach. Think about where you can set yourself up for success right now with all of these four areas so that you can thrive. And when those jobs come up, or when you create the opportunity for yourself because you're opportunistic like Liam, you are ready to rock and roll and you're not frantically stressing and trying to sell them on lies effectively. You're basically telling them lies. So you're like, yeah, I've done this and I've done that and, I've done, and you haven't done it. And they see through it and it will cost you in the long term. Let's make the next time you apply for that CN, RN, RN2 position, the time that you land it, up level, create new opportunities for yourself and start building your senior nursing career. If you loved this episode, please come and let me know. If you want some further advice about building your career like this at any stage, send me a message on Instagram. You know I love a good voice note, so come and say hi and let's chat about your career. And until then, I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I'm so privileged that you spent your time with us here today. Hey, can I ask a favor? If you know someone that would benefit from this podcast episode, please share it with them. The more you share, the more we get in front of amazing nurses and we're able to help them see that nursing on their terms across their career is totally possible for them. So I'd love if you could do that. Now, I will see you in the next episode next week. Until then, let's make this year the year that you nurse on your terms. Are you ready? Let's do it.